So I've been safe for two years now. And last year, um, I was gonna go to the Marine Corps. You know, I had it planned out, I had a paper signed, everything. But then I realized something wasn't right. I felt that I was doing my own will. I wasn't praying for my calling. And so God was just telling me, you know, you're not called to this, you know. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, I was just arguing with God my prayers, like, no, I want to go to the Marine Corps, you know. And then God's like, no, I want you to be a minister. I want you to go to Bible college. And I'm like, what? You know, like, I can't do that. And so the reason why is because, you know, I had so many missing credits in high school. You know, I barely graduated high school. I didn't even walk on stage. And so I'm like, how can I go to Bible college? And so, you know, I just, I just uh, put all my faith, you know, like, God, I'm going to trust in you, you know, that I could do this. And just, you know, take on the calling that you're calling me to. And so scripture that really always encouraged me is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 15. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. You know, that just always encouraged me. And this past Friday, I just got accepted into Bible college, man. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. You know, so just trust in God, you know. Hope that encourages you. God has a plan. He has a purpose for you. Believe in it. Just going to pray. Hallelujah, Father God, Lord. God, just pray, God, you just bless this congregation, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's people you're struggling with, the purpose, Father God, just pray that you remind them, Lord. I just rebuke all hindrances and attacks of the enemy, Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit, and bind us up in this moment of worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands right now in the presence of God. Come on, just lift up your hands right now. Say, Jesus, I want to meet you here. I've come for you. I'm going to dance for you. <laughs> I'm going to shout for you. I'm going to sing to you. Let's meet here, Lord, and share our love for each other in Jesus' name. Shout a praise out Set apart from the ash, I am born again. Forever safe in my Savior's hands. You are more than my words can say. I follow you, Lord, for all my days. I fix my eyes following your ways. Forever free in an ending grace. Come on, cause you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher. Lift you higher, your love, your love, your love, never ending. Oh, you are alive in us, nothing can take your place. You are all we need, your love has set us free. Whoa. 
up your voices out there, Metro Prince! In the midst of the darkest night, let your love be the shining light. Breaking chains that were holding me. You set your sun down to set me free. Everything in this world will fade. I'm pressing on till I see your face. Will be done. And I will stop to your key. Come on, lift up your hands. Say, Cause you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love never ending. Oh, oh, oh. You are not in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us. You are alive. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. Whoa. Let me hear you guys clap. Come on, clap, clap. Okay, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're a pretty charismatic church around here. We like to get down with the Holy Ghost. So if you like to get down with the Holy Ghost, make your way down to the altar right here. Come on. There you go. There's some of you. Here we go. All right, here you keep it, just keep it coming. We'll wait for you, there's no hurry. The Holy Ghost ain't impatient. So when we start singing this song, I want you guys to do what you know you ought to do. All right. If you wanna roll on the floor, if that's what you ought to do, do it. If you wanna run around, if that's what you ought to do, do it. If you wanna shout, that's what you ought to do, shout it, amen? If you gotta dance, you know. Some of y'all maybe were at the club last night juking. And y'all out here like, oh, uh, I don't know if I should, I'm not comfortable. You didn't say that last night. So I want y'all to get really comfortable here because we're about to dance. You guys ready? I said, are you guys ready? You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. Come on, go. You are all. Father God, I loose these people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be loose. Go. Cause this is how we overcome. And this is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. Say this is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. This is how you have to my morning into dancing 
you have turned my sorrow into joy. Come on. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into you are alive. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. One more time. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. Shout a praise. We love you, Jesus. We exalt your mighty name. We feel your presence even now as we dance, as we sing, as we lift up your name, God. We know you are here, Jesus, to heal, to save, to set free. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Come on, church, just lift up your voice right now, exalt him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Church, lift up your hands and say, Bow before your throne. 
Holy Spirit, you move right now. Holy Spirit, touch hearts. There is healing for you today here. There is healing for you today. Come on, people. Let's just pray in tongues. Let's let the Holy Spirit move in this place. There's healing. There's healing. There's healing for you. How many worshipers are in this place? Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands because he has found you. <laughs> he has found you. He found what he was seeking in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship him. Worship him.
presence is here. Come on, church. Come on, church. Don't just stand idly by waiting for something. He is here already. He's here. And Lord, come on, sing. And honor and power forever. Be blessing and glory and honor and power forever. Time say be blessing and glory and honor and power forever. 
church this morning. My name is Pastor Lauren, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. If you can turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 5.8, it's also be up on the screen for you. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, God demonstrates his love. He demonstrated his love by making a plan, the perfect plan, setting his blameless son to the cross. He demonstrated his love for us individually as humanity, corporately, by Jesus dying on the cross while we were still sinners. Come on, although God saw Lauren would be on drugs, although God saw that I would live a promiscuous life, though he saw that I would reject him, spit in his face, and at times even hate him, he still died for me even though I was a sinner. And it's the same thing for your life. Though he saw your sin, though he saw your rejection towards him, he still died. See, the Bible says when we're friends of the world, we're enemies of God. See, I was an enemy of God. Jesus died for his enemies. That is love. He died for people that would reject him. He died for his enemies. Come on, thank God that we don't have to stay in that sin anymore. If you are in this place, though, and you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today is your day. You can be confident today. If you are still a sinner, if you are still 
lost in your sin, you could be confident that Jesus still died for you. You could be confident that you can come to the cross just as you are with sin and all, and he will wash you clean this morning. You don't have to do it. There's nothing you have to do except take one step to Jesus, and he will do it all. He will wash you clean. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a time of fellowship. We're going to have some prayer workers, uh, Jerry and Tony. We're going to have them over here during our fellowship video. If that is you, if you need prayer this morning, if you want to talk about Jesus, what it means to be saved, what it means to have the blood of Jesus cover your sins, come and speak with them. They would love to connect you and to, to pray with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you, God, that though it hurt, you stayed on the cross. Though it was agonizing, painful, you did it. You stayed there for us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you gave us a way out. And I pray for every person in this room that does not know you. I pray that today would be their day. God, that they would see your sacrifice as a personal thing. That they would see that you saw them individually. And even if they were the only one, you would have still did it because your great love. We thank you, Lord, and we give you the glory, the honor, the blessing, all the power. It belongs to you, King Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet with me? Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to go ahead and recite our confession of faith. We say this every week because it's our Christian worldview. This is what we stand on, what we believe. Amen. So on the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. All right, let's fellowship. Give somebody a high five, a hug, and come to prayer if you need it.
hand who's excited to be in church this morning. Make some noise. Woo! Welcome to Metro Praise International. We are so excited that you chose our church to join us on behalf of the leadership. We welcome you here. Thank you. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning as we worship the Lord. What a powerful time in God's presence this morning. Amen. If this is your first time, we want to welcome you. Thank you for visiting us today. Let's give it up. Let's clap it up for our first-time visitors in service. We have a lot of family members present for some of our graduates. We'll be getting to that in a second. But it's so good to see all of your beautiful faces. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we also have Elevate. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Oh, Fridays at 7 p.m. is our service for all of our teenagers 11 to 18 years old. So if you are of that age group or know somebody in that age group, you have got to come on Fridays because they are blowing it up for Jesus. Our, our special announcement as we're moving forward and growing is that we are going to two Sunday services. Come on. So starting on Easter Sunday, April 5th, MPI will have a 10 a.m. and a 1 p.m. So we want to invite you out especially for our Easter Sunday. So invite your family, your friends, your neighbors, co-workers. Grab some of the flyers that the ushers will be passing down the aisle and invite somebody, connect with somebody. And so we want to share with you the sermon series that will be happening for the whole month of April. It's called Who is Jesus? So we're kicking off two services on Easter, and we're going to be talking about who is Jesus the whole month. So we want to make sure that you guys are well aware that we want to just invite our family and friends and that we want you to pass out those invitations. Our uh, vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Let's say that together. Loving God. Loving people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send you out. And the way that we connect you to, to Metro Praise is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts, you can see our life group schedule and how our life groups are sectioned off into two uh, categories, ministry-based and special needs-based. So find a place that fits your family, that fits your lifestyle. So there's always a place for you to belong, always something to do. We want to give you a snapshot. Do we have the snapshot of the week? Here we are. This is this week's life group. Every Wednesday, we have our King's Kids. Come on, make some noise for them. Infant to 11 years old. They meet at 6.30 here at the church. Parents, you could drop them off and then pick them up. Every Friday, there's two adult Bible studies that are going on. It's um, at the Govea's house, and the other one is at the Walker's house. Every Friday, 7 p.m., 18 years and up. So if you guys want to get a hold of Jesus and fellowship with people in the church, that's where you want to go. Because if you don't go, then you won't have fun that day, okay? And then Saturday every week, we have our evangelism people that go out. It's not just a specific team. Anybody can go street witnessing. And so we want to invite you guys out for that life group. They meet every Saturday here at the church at 5. And then we go to various neighborhoods to tell people about Jesus on the streets. And then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have a Welcome to Your New Life book, Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth, where a leader will take you through this book one-on-one -on -one according to your schedule so that you can grow in your faith and your relationship with God. And then after you graduate 101, you'll go into the 201 class with Pastor Jared, and it's Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church. And then we want to send you out to go tell people about Jesus. Who wants to tell people about Jesus? Come on. And then our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, by God's grace, say amen. 
Come on, who's excited to learn about tithing this morning? The Bible says those who are generous will prosper. We want to be generous givers. And we thank you for all uh, you that have been generous, that have partnered with the vision that God has given to MPI so that we can see Chicago one and to see the nations one for Christ. If you can turn uh, and look up on the screen, you can follow along with us. This lesson is being taken out of the givingbook.org. You can turn there right now. We are still on section one, learning about tithes, and lesson two. The tithe breaks greed through obedience. And in our Bibles, you guys can turn to Matthew 6.24. We're going to be reading that verse. So through obedience, through obeying, obeying God's commands, we break the spirit of greed over our life. So let's read Matthew 6.24. It's on the screen as well. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here are the main points that we could get out of that verse. Number one, you cannot serve two masters. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Somebody say, ouch. The lordship of Jesus includes everything from your heart to your wallet. We're in a relationship. He doesn't force us to do anything, but through our heart of obedience for him, we will honor God. You're either going to serve your material possessions, you're going to serve money, or you're going to serve God. It's one or the other. It's either all or it's nothing because he wants 100% of our life. Number two, you cannot love God and money. Notice how Jesus chose money to be the number one competing master for the Christian's life. Jesus chose to make money the primary example because it represents the most common idol people set up in their hearts. And we are not to have any idols in our hearts before the Lord. The sinful, greedy heart proudly says, I work hard for my money and I will spend it however I want. My family and my bills come first in my life, not the church. And that is not the kind of life God wants us to live. He wants us to live a life of obedience and trust to him that when we put him first, all of our needs will be taken care of. Number three, money is the best indicator of who your Lord is. If you are not willing to be faithful to, God, to give God your best in tithes and offerings, you are making a choice to serve money instead of God. So greed is not just a sin for the rich and famous but it is the sin of all who refuse to make Jesus the Lord of your money. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor and you don't have enough to pay your bills. It doesn't matter. Greed is in the heart of every man. And Jesus says that that greed in our heart, through the scriptures we learn, that greed gets broken off of our lives through generosity and putting God's kingdom first. Number four, giving breaks the attitude of greed. Every time you give your tithes to God, you are breaking the chains of greed that come from the master of money, and you are choosing to serve Jesus as the Lord of your wallet. Here's the summary. Be obedient to God in the, in the faithful giving of your tithes so the sin of greed doesn't take mastery of your heart. Let's apply this to our lives. Number one, ask God to forgive you for being greedy if you have been serving money rather than Jesus. So if you have not been faithful to tithing and giving, we need to repent. Number two, be devoted and obedient to Jesus as the Lord over all your life. And number three, give your tithes faithfully as an act of worship to Jesus, who is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, because he is worth it. Let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. 
It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Come on, stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give our best to the Lord. How many of you guys excited that we get to be partners with Jesus on this earth, that we get to partner with the King of kings and the Lord of lords with our finances so that we can see his kingdom further throughout this city, throughout America, throughout the nations of the world. A tithe that we believe here at Metro Praise is a 10% of your total income. And we designate offerings to two different places. One is to missions, where we give to various mission projects throughout the year. And the other one is our building offering, where we are currently in a building offering fund for raising a 15-passenger van, a new one that will ride uh, safely. It could go further distances so that we could pick up people to come to church on Sundays. We can use it for our youth on Fridays, bring our children here from the, from the west side to come to church. So we thank you all that have made that commitment for the building offering. Continue to be faithful until we see God provide that van. Amen. And uh, we just want to give a little bit of an announcement that we have uh, the ability to give to receive credit cards or debit cards if you wanted to purchase a Bible or a book that is available for you before service and after service. You can see myself or Pastor Griselda. And we also have the convenience of online giving for you as well. Let's recite this Bible verse together. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. And we as your people, God, we choose to put your kingdom first because you said if we seek after your righteousness and your ways, God, you will provide all of our needs. We put, up, we put your kingdom before our kingdom because we know, God, that you will take care of us. So we thank you, Lord, for the gift and the giver this morning. I thank you for your generous people, God, that as we seek, God, all that you have for the salvation of our city, God, you will take care of our needs. I pray for doors of employment to open, for promotions to come, for prosperity over your people, God, as we choose to be obedient, God, to your commands in every area of our life. Let the blessings pour out, God, so that your name could be glorified. Bless this church, all the faithful givers, Lord, and everybody that will be hearing the message this morning. Prepare our hearts, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you for your generosity. one guarantee this broken world will only leave me empty but there's a life that healed my heart and it holds firm when I'm falling apart I will stand on the truth in the living word of God Cause every time it moves my soul And shapes my every thought It's alive in me The very breath I breathe I'm holding on with all I've got To the Alright, if you're ready for an ordination service Make some noise! It is so good to see you here this morning. Can you turn on the mic a little bit for me, please? Man, God is good. If you love Jesus, can I hear a hallelujah? 
Amen, amen. How many are just enjoying the sunshine even though you don't got the warm weather? I mean, I know we want both, but if we had to settle, how many would go get, you know, how many think sunshine's a good place to start? Okay, I know it was like a little bit of a tease this week. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be 70. We're out of the winter. We're ready to rock and roll. And then all of a sudden it got freezing. But I'm trying to see the positive. The sun is shining. Amen? All right. We are going to do an awesome ordination service. If you have never uh, been a part of one, get ready because it's going to change your life. It's really awesome. So open up your Bibles with me quickly to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, the book of Acts. We are going to do what the ancient church has always done. Now, you may not have thought about it that way, but this is an ancient practice. The church, going back 2,000 years after Jesus left the earth, he left his disciples in charge. And his church has been moving along ever since. And not only has the church been surviving, it has been thriving the church is reaching the nations of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about what the church has done in your life? You may be here visiting as a family member and be an atheist or a non-believer, but the church has affected your life. Do you know that hospitals were developed by the church? Now today it may be a little bit costly to go to some of the saint, you know, uh, what's the one there on uh, uh, Central and Belmont? What? Resurrection. It might be a little expensive now to go to resurrection, but it was started by the church. The whole concept of hospitals was started by the church. How many think colleges and universities are a good idea? That was started by the church. Did you know that Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, even in, the, in America, were all Bible colleges? All Bible colleges. So if you're thankful today for universities, you're thankful today for hospitals, that has come from the church. How many know about homeless shelters and taking care of the poor? Have you ever heard of an atheist homeless shelter? Have you ever heard of an atheist food kitchen? Maybe now they're getting a little popular, I don't know. But all throughout history, those who have cared for the poor, those who have homeless shelters, those who give soup kitchens and food to the needy has been the church. Now you may say the church has had mistakes. Well, the church works with people, and people make mistakes. But the church is bigger than people's mistakes. The church keeps on chugga, chugga, choo, choo through people's mistakes. Some pastors have stolen money. Some pastors and members have had sex together. That's pretty gross, right? Some people have lied and stolen and cheated, but that's never changed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be buildings that call themselves churches that open and close and open and close and denominations that change their beliefs, but that's never changed the church. The church is more than just a building. As a matter of fact, I love what one person said. The building is where the church meets. I'm going to say that again. The church is not necessarily the building. It's the place where the church meets. You and I, believers in Jesus, are the church. Now somebody may say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Well, you've just met a fool. If they've said that, they're just a fool. I'm telling you the honest truth. They are a fool. I'll just give you an example so you can understand what I'm saying. If you came to my house and said, Joe, I love you, but I hate your wife, are you a fool? I'm asking you a question. Are you a fool? Yes, you are. If you came to my house and said, I love you, but I hate your wife, you're an idiot. You're not staying in my house very long. 
I, I, I will not hurt you. I may think thoughts of hurting you, but Jesus will give me love for you. But the bottom line is, you're a fool. I mean, if someone were to do that, that would be foolish. And it's the same thing to say to the precious bride of Christ. That's what the Bible calls the church. Did you know that? He doesn't just call her that old dirty hag on the side, that old, that old skanky woman. No, 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 no. Jesus calls the church his bride, his beloved. He loves the church. He loves all the people in the church, and he's patient with the church. Yes, from time to time, people need to get disciplined in the church and kicked out of the church. Yeah, that has to happen sometimes, believe it or not. But there's always an invitation to come back, and Jesus doesn't give up on us and he loves us and so my friends I want you to be very careful when you talk about the church you're talking about the bride of Christ now you may say pastors like Joe they have mistakes and all of that well that's okay you want to talk mistakes I'll meet you up here and hand you a microphone I go first I'll talk about yours do you want to do that see come on sassy people on Facebook do you really want to do that well, I'm going to talk about the church and talk about pastors. I like to talk about it right now on Facebook. It's like, it's like puking. Okay, you want to talk about mistakes and everything. You get the microphone. I'll go first and talk about your mistakes. I'll judge you by this. Now, is that what the Bible said? Does the Bible say judge each other and put up each other's uh, false standards over each other? No, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. If you ever seen me sin or make a mistake, love me, forgive me, and pray for me. Amen? And then trust that the elders who are here, which is a, another form of ordination, today we're doing deacons, know that if I violate the covenant I have to work here, they'll be the first ones to fire me. And next week, Pastor Berto, praise God, the Aztec warrior will be leading this congregation. Amen? So don't be deceived, my friends, when you hear lies about the church. God loves the church. And today the church has helped you in many ways. Are you in Acts chapter 6? Well, today's ordination service is so special because we get to ordain. And what that means is affirm those who have accepted their call to serve and work in the church. You see, the church doesn't work itself. These lights do not turn on by themselves. Somebody must hit the switch, and someone had to pay the bills so that that electricity would flow through there, and someone had to clean the floor and set those chairs up and play instruments today, and someone has to be in the back to watch your children, and someone has to work at those hospitals and those volunteer programs in the mission field. By the way, we've already raised over $20,000 for the Philippines. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Good job, Metro Praise International. Already 2,500 of that has gone to supply those who were suffering and still are suffering from the tsunami they had over a year ago. Praise God. There's the church in action. But somebody has to take a plane and bring the goods over there and they're in the church to hand them out, to do the vaccinations. I mean, there's a need for workers in the church. Can I hear somebody say, work in? 
Look at how they decided to do this in ancient times 2,000 years ago. In chapter 6, verse 1, the book Acts means the Acts of the Apostles. Let us learn from them. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, how many think that's a good thing? When disciples increase, that's why we're going to two services. I want to invite you to come back for Easter. We're going to do some of the most powerful teaching on who Jesus is at 10 and 1 o'clock. You want to be there and make sure you invite somebody. Well, back then, the disciples were increasing. The Greek ethnic Jews began to complain against the Hebrew ethnic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Well, that looks like there's a problem in the church. <gasps> you mean the Bible actually talks about problems in the church? Yeah, there was a little bit of racism going on. There was a group of Greek ethnic Jews that were complaining against the Hebrew ethnic Jews. So do we just throw away the Bible and go, oh, well, there you go. The church is bad. It, it stinks. Don't go there no more. Guess what begins to happen? The apostles come up with a solution. So the 12, remember the 12, how many disciples did Jesus have? What did one of them do? He committed suicide. Who was that guy's name? Judas, but do you know that he got replaced? Do you know that everybody in the church is, can be replaced? I can be replaced. You can be replaced. Jesus will do it with or without us, but I would rather him do it with us. Amen? The 12 were still there, just minus Judas. And who took his place? Who knows his name? Matthias. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together, praise God, like we do on Sunday, and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Boy, I can relate to that. It's like, Pastor, there's a problem. We need you to solve it. Pastor, somebody's sick. We need you to come and pray. Pastor, there's something going on. We need you there. Do you know that in a church just this size, the average attendance here is around 160, do you know that if just every person here only asked me as the pastor for two favors a year, because, you know, whenever you ask me for a favor, it doesn't seem like a big deal. You're like, come on, Pastor, I come every week. I have to listen to you. You can at least do this favor for me. I mean, I deserve it, you know, and I don't ask very much. Okay. If you just asked me for two favors a year, that means I would be doing favors 365 days a week, and I would no longer have my family. I would no longer have my sobriety. I would no longer have a sound mind. We can't do it all. Hello? We can't do it all. And, and last time I looked, my name is Joe and not Jesus. Jesus can be where you're at. But you know the good thing about a church is that they multiply. So the 12 said, hey, it's probably not good that we get involved in this. And let me tell you the story because I forgot to say it. So the Greek Jews and the Hebrew Jews were coming to get food because they were needy. And they began to feel that the Hebrew Jews were getting more food than those who were Greek. And they began to say, man, this is a problem. And they're not taking care of us. So you know what? You disciples, you come here every day and feed us. We know you'll treat us fair. And they go, there's no way we can come every day and be running this thing and doing all these other things. We can't. But verse 3 Somebody say, but verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Among you, praise God. We will turn this responsibility over to them. 
So where I can't be with the single moms, and praise God, single moms, I'm not there. Uh, Pastor Lauren can be there. When I can't be there for the youth, we have here Pastor Ellie. He is there with the youth. When I can't be in the back with the children, and trust me, parents, you're happy that I'm not there. Pastor Sue Ellen is back there. So there's a church of leaders. And yet these leaders had to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And then verse 4 says, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And that's what I am here to do as your leader. And look at verse 5. For this proposal, please the whole group. Is anybody pleased right now? Amen. If you're not, too bad. We're doing it anyways. If you're not, that's just, that's just, I don't know what else to say, but we're doing it. This pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. I think there's a man named Stephen today going to become a deacon in the church of God. Isn't that awesome? And then it says also Philip. And then so whatever applied to Stephen, he got the he got the attention there, which is awesome. But it says and also to Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Jude, a convert to Judaism. There, those seven men were named. I just want to ask you today, as a challenge, has any church named you as an important part of their church? What an honor to be named. You see, the vision that our church said about connect, mentor, send is for everybody. You start off in the 101, and you're being mentored one-on-one, and you're working through your life and your difficulties to understand who Christ made you to be. And then when that has been completed, you go into a 201, and you're trained for a year on how to be a helpful person in the house of God because you showed up, you come, you might as well do something for Jesus. Amen. He said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord would send forth more laborers. And after you graduate that, you can become like these men. And in other places, the Bible notes women. Romans chapter 16 notes that Phoebe was a deacon as well. It says in verse 6, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And that is what we are going to do. There's two main offices in the church, elders and deacons. We typically call people in the church pastors and leaders. Pastors would be those holding the microphone. Leaders would be those behind the scenes. But that's not biblically accurate. The accurate office or position in the church is elder and deacon. So I am an elder like the youth pastor is an elder, like uh, Lauren is the elder and these others. And then there are deacons. And the word dekanos in the Greek, uh, deacon in the Greek is dekanos. Everybody say dekanos. It simply means servant. That's simply all that it means. And you can see in this passage is where that office was started. This ancient practice now has practical value today in the present, doesn't it? We can put this practice into place and see God do mighty things. Amen. Well, without further ado, would you put back up that slide and run forth those, uh, those documents, please? Because we are going to ordain and recognize those who have gone through the process of our church to be in the 101, 201, and to graduate and be leaders. And I would ask that you would get more excited for them than you do for your favorite team. Amen? Because I believe these are heroes in the house of God. Carmen Ramos! Woman of God. 
Steven Ramos. Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Vivet. but not leave, Stephanie Santoyo. <laughs> Woo! Praise God. They have been ordained to the position of deacon, and that means that their character has come in line with these men and women of the past and that Jesus has become a priority in their life. They are not saying that they are better than anyone, but they are saying they have found a better way and they will give it all they have to walk in that path. They are not saying, follow me because of who I am, but they are saying as servant leaders, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to affirm to you today that their role as leaders means that the prayers they pray are just as powerful as my prayers. That when they visit you at the hospital, that their care and concern is just as powerful as the apostles who went before them. That when they preach and teach the word, that their words coming forth are just as effective to change lives and to encourage you. And what are some fun facts about this group today is that all of them are leaders in the Elevate Youth Ministry. Elevate! Another fun fact about them today is that Steve, Tony, and Stephanie are all in the Bible college seeking to become pastoral elders and to be in full-time ministry. Amen. And, of course, Carmen gets that via through her husband and will support her husband in the ministry. What an amazing testimony of each one of them. And so I've asked, because you have come, I see friends and family here, I've asked that each one of them would share briefly about their experience and leadership being trained and now their heart to serve God in this church. So Stephanie, would you go first, please? Hallelujah. It's awesome to be in the house of the Lord with you guys and just to love God and to serve him. And um, I'm just so touched and moved by everyone, you know, in this church and they're just them being a part of my life and building me as a leader, you know, and, and it's been a process, but in that process, like, God has, has grown me into the woman of God that he's called me to be, and um, I'm just grateful for what he's doing. There's nothing that can stop you when you just submit under the hand of God and uh, under the Father, and um, he will lead your footsteps and guide you, so I just encourage you all, you know, like, I used to think, oh, I could never see myself doing something like this or even speaking into someone's life and saying, hey, like, God has you and God, God is going to use you. But I encourage you, you know, like, just stick with it and just love Jesus and, and let him teach you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, man, honestly, I'm at a loss for words. Um, I'm just grateful for, to God for this opportunity that I have and to be part of a, an awesome, awesome church family. Um, just a little bit of uh, background on myself. You know, Pastor Joe, I mentioned that I was um, going to Bible college. I'm actually a Bible college graduate. I went to North Central University in 2005, and um, I actually had an opportunity to um, be a youth pastor at the church that I grew up in. Um, long story short, things kind of fell through, and, you know, I was there for less than a, than a year. 
And next thing I know, I'm, you know, I'm without a job and, you know, kind of questioning what, what's out, what's in store for me really. And, uh, you know, I spent a good uh, two years after that um, just being away from home, living in Minnesota and just kind of like discovering where I was, you know, and uh, what my, what my purpose was in life. And then I remember moving back to Chicago in 2009. I, this was shortly after I just lost my job. Um, I came back to Chicago looking for a home church. I uh, was part of a church for three years and uh, wasn't really part of a church family, like a community. And then I came to Metro Praise in 2013, and uh, yes, whew. <laughs> um, it's, man, it, it's been awesome. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm part of a church family, and uh, I am married to a beautiful, wonderful, God-fearing woman of God, Jerry. Could you stand up, Jerry? Yes, yes. That is her. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm so grateful, you know, for the opportunity that uh, we have to, to come on board as, uh, as campus pastors uh, coming uh, Easter. And so just uh, we're grateful for the opportunity, and uh, we're just looking forward to what God has in store for us. So, okay, my, my time's up, so <laughs> God bless you. All right. Um, I got to thank God first, you know try to do this without getting all emotional and stuff, man. But, um, man, it's been a, it seems like a long road, you know, just in, in my Christian walk altogether, you know. Um, I was saved when I was incarcerated, and God set me free from that, and, and uh, the journey started, you know, um, coming from there, and been to a lot of churches, you know, just searching for, uh, for the body of Christ, really. And I'm not saying that those churches were not the body of Christ, but it was just something always missing, you know. And I remember uh, coming to Metro Praise when it was on Irving Park. And um, I remember the first day my wife and I were like, whoa, you know, like something is going on here. You know, like we knew something was up, you know. And then, you know, they started speaking in tongues. And it was like, oh, man, like I belong to this. You know what I mean? Like this is the spirit of God. And my wife, you know, she had a different you know, upbringing or whatever. She was like, I don't know. No, you know, I'm scared. And, um. And I remember the second day, man, I, I came up, and I remember I said, man, I, I need to tell this brother. You know, I need, I need to tell this brother where we stand, you know, and what God is telling us in our life. And I remember going up to P. Joe, and he had just preached a, a powerful message, you know, going through his own things in his own life and stuff, um, what was going on with Irving and everything like that. And I remember going up to him, and I looked at him, and I said, hey, man, I just want to tell you that me and my wife, we're here to stay. Like, we're not going anywhere, man. Like, wherever you guys go. We're going. Like, you know what I mean? If this, this place closes down, we're going to the next place. Like, we're there. And I heard P. Joe, we were talking about it in the back, and P. Joe was like, oh, you know, I heard that so many times. And, and then we would tell him this, like, every week. And he'll give us the same response. And my wife, we started looking at each other like, what is wrong with this guy, man? Like, we just want to serve, you know what I mean, Jesus in him, you know? But um, obviously, you know, we, we stuck with it. And uh, he received us, man, as a... Uh, as his own spiritual children, you know, and, and poured into us, man, with the leadership. And, um, and we're here today, you know, just praising God, man. And just the way the leadership, man, has really poured into us and drew out what God had already put in us. I think that's just so awesome. It was something that we were missing, something that, that we weren't challenged with, challenged to live holy, challenged to live pure, challenged to honor God. And the leadership here, I kid you not, man, zero to none that I have seen in all the churches that I have been to. 
the integrity, man, the, the honor, the holiness is zero to none that I've seen. And today my wife and I, we serve as the assistant pastors in the, in the Elevate, man. Praise God. Elevators, what, what. That's what we're doing. And uh, in Bible college, man, we just want to give out what the leadership and God put in us to other people. That is a legacy that we live for, man, that when we die, we just want to be able to say, man, there's other Steves out there. There's other Carmens that are doing it better than us. Amen. God bless, man. Well, this is why I speak first, because he literally, we're one, so he literally took a lot of the things I was going to say. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Next time I'm going first. Um, no, but I just have to say it is, um, everything he said is so true and so on point. It's an honor to be a part of this body of believers. It's an honor to be a part of this family. From the moment we walked in the door to the moment we're standing here, it's always been about integrity and accountability and they really hold you to a higher standard because we're expected to live holy as believers. We're expected to live as Jesus lived. And you don't find that everywhere you go. You find people getting lost in the crowd, and you don't get lost here. They come and they find you. They pour into you. They love you. When you're down, they lift you up. When you need prayer at 3 in the morning, they're picking up the phone. Like, it's an honor to be a part of this leadership, and I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited that we can open up our home and have a life group for the youth, which – I love, I love our youth, and I love every time someone else steps into this, to this lobby, into this sanctuary on Friday evenings because it's another time to be excited about pouring into someone else, someone young who's going to be out there reaching more young people for Christ. And we get the honor to do that on Fridays and first and third Wednesdays at my house at 6 o'clock. I'm just saying, just put it out there, righteously redeemed, 11 to 18. We're excited about reaching Chicago for Jesus. We're excited about reaching the neighborhoods for Jesus. And I'm just honored to be a part of this leadership, and I'm honored to be a servant of God because that's what it's about. We're Like Pastor Joe said, we're not any different. We're not any better. We are servants. You know, and I'm honored to serve next to each and every one of the leadership here, and I'm honored to serve you all here. So I'm excited about what God's going to do. Can you guys come and face this way? Uh, we're going to pray for them now. Can all the other elders and deacons who are here come forward? Would you guys turn and face me, please? It's an honor to pray for you uh, and to bring what we have done here before the Lord and have him bless it. All the elders and deacons that are standing behind you now know what it is like to be where you're at right now. I know you feel that excitement, but there's also that little bit of trepidation saying, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to make a mistake. And sometimes that, that fear can actually prevent you from fulfilling your call. But let all of their hands and prayers as we begin to pray encourage you that if they can make it, you can make it. That the Bible says God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Congregation, would you stretch your hands towards them as a sign of your agreement and partnership as they did in the book of Acts? As I pray right now, Father, I thank you today for Stephanie Santoyo. I thank you for her precious call. God, I thank you for bringing her through every struggle that she's been through, from the loss of her brother, God, to the loss of friends, God, to the ups and downs, God, within her own life, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that she is now standing here because of your grace, and she can be a wonderful testimony to anyone that feels like sometimes life is hard, but she can testify that God is greater 
May all the youth she disciples, may all the worship she leads encourage others. And wherever you send her, God, we can't even imagine where her path may go. God, let her always be in love with you as she was the first time she met you. Lord, I pray that you'll bless Tony, Lord, to be that man that you've always called him to be from his upbringing with his mother, bringing him to the church and to all the spiritual heritage that's been poured into him at Bible college and all the friends and all the influences you've used for good in his life, Lord. I pray, Lord, that that wealth of wisdom will be poured out to those who sit across from him at coffee tables or in couches and living rooms, that, Lord, he'll be a mentor, Lord, not just because of authority, but one God of compassion, Lord that people will follow him because they see truly the heart of Christ, Lord. Bless his marriage and his family and all that he does, Father. Lord, I thank you for Steve and for Carmen in their beautiful marriage, Lord, and they started this together and finished it together. Now as they graduate to a new season, Lord, I pray that you bless them and encourage them, provide for them financially. Bless their children, O Lord. Let their children be happy to be in the house of the Lord, not to look at it as a burden to come to church, but love seeing young people in their house and teenagers and may God they preach and teach wherever they go Lord and see a harvest a harvest of souls Father God meet them in heaven Lord and I just thank you for each one of them now as we're going to continue to pray I'm going to ask that one of our elders uh, Ricardo Rivero would pray for them as well let us keep in the attitude of prayer hallelujah God we praise you and we thank you for leaders oh God we thank you for this honor this privilege oh God that they said, Lord, I will do it, God. I will take this, oh God, position, Lord. I will take this responsibility. It's a privilege. It's an honor to serve the people, oh God. This is just a position to serve you, God, to serve the people, to build your kingdom, oh God. And I pray, God, that they would never rely on their own wisdom, not never on their own power or skills, oh God, or talents, but, God, that they would do everything with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, God, that the Holy Spirit would be filled Fill them up, Holy Spirit, that everything they do, oh God, they would do it, God, by the Spirit's power, God. That as they preach, oh God, by the Spirit's power, Lord. As they pray, oh God, and lay hands on people, oh Lord. As they teach, oh God, as they worship and praise you, Lord. As they lead their life groups, oh God, whatever they do, oh God, they will do it by the Spirit's power, Lord. That they will be so reliant on you, oh God. That they will rely on you so much, oh Lord. That, Lord, you would use them to do great things, things that they've never thought they would do, God. Lord, you brought them to this level, but, Lord, you're a big God. You could do more than we could imagine, oh, God. They could do more than they could imagine, oh, Lord, if they continue to humble themselves, oh, God, and follow you, Lord. I thank you for what you're going to do through them, God, through the youth group, oh, God, through worship, through the Bible studies. I thank you, Lord, for the lives that will be changed, oh, Lord, for the spiritual sons and daughters that they'll have, oh, God. Lord, we thank you for that. We need more people like them, O oh Lord. I pray that you will guard their hearts, their minds, O oh Lord. You will protect them, Lord. You will meet their needs in every way, O oh Lord. Oh God, we thank you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, bless them, O oh God. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. As they turn around, would you stand to your feet and bless the Lord for the 2015 graduating class of deacons? Would you put on some party music? And come congratulate them right now as we put on some music.
As we're finishing up this last line, if you want to open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3, go ahead. Ephesians chapter 3. So good to see all the friends and family here. Thank you guys for coming out to support them. Broskis here, come on. Oh, yeah, good one with the mama. All right, so I'm going to preach today. How many still want to hear a word today? Amen. I'm going to do my best to wrap this up in about 25 minutes. How many think I can do it? Say aye. How many think I'm going to go over? Say nay. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys must know me a little bit. But thanks for the other ones for believing in me. Today's message is continuing on in our series, God's Heart for You. We're learning all about what God thinks about you, how God loves you, how he cares about you. We've talked about God's heart for your family, God's heart for Chicago, God's heart uh, for you in salvation. And today's message is God's heart for your thought life, how you think. God really cares about what's on your mind. Have you ever been out on a date and the person asked you, what's on your mind? How many really care about other people that way? When you're with your relationships, kids, when your parents ask you that, what's on your mind? Your parents really love you. They mean that. When I'm out with my wife and she asks me, honey, what's on your mind? I, I just love that she cares about me and God cares about what's on your mind. Today we're going to start with the same scripture we've been uh, in the whole entire series, Ephesians chapter 3. It's a prayer that Paul said for the Ephesian people. The Ephesians were a group of converts to Christianity from the town of Ephesus. They had given up their pagan ways and had fallen in love with Jesus. Paul had been their apostle. Now he was traveling on, and they didn't have email back then, so they had to send snail mail letters. But in this letter of Ephesians, there's such a powerful prayer that is for us today, meaning I hear Paul praying for me through this prayer. Now, that doesn't mean I pray to Paul. Paul said to pray to Jesus, but I believe that this prayer lives on. Can I hear an amen? Listen to this prayer, Ephesians chapter 3, 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He wanted you to know that you have an inner being and that God can give you power on the inside. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's because we don't see him yet, but we have faith that one day we will. But that faith doesn't leave us empty right now on this earth. Through our faith, we actually experience and feel God in our inner being, a.k.a. our heart. How many have ever felt God's love in your heart? If you haven't, we'll pray for you today that you will feel his love because he loves you so much. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Everybody say the love of Christ. 
Paul said right here, I pray that in your innermost being you may have power, that you may know that Christ dwells within your heart through faith and that you'll be established in love. It's all about love. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. God wants you to be established in his love. Now think about it like this, parents. Does the love for your children motivate you on hard days at work? How many have had a tough day at work before? But you found motivation to be there because you knew you were providing for your family. Love will have you do things you normally wouldn't do. God's love sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we may live with him and have a relationship with him, not just when we die but now. And that same love will empower us to do what we do for God. Why did I quit smoking and drinking? Not just because it was a black and white rule. It was because I loved God. I was motivated by that love to change my ways. So for those here who are like, I want to live for Jesus, but I still like my sin and I'm wrestling with it, your problem really isn't with sin, it's with love. You love sin more than you love God. It's my love for my wife that keeps me, not, uh, keeps me from cheating on her. It's not just a rule that says don't cheat on her that keeps me not cheating on her. Do you guys get that? I could write on a piece of paper and give it to every man right here. Don't cheat on your wife. Is that black and white piece of paper going to give you any power? No, but the love you have for your wife will motivate you to be true to her. Paul is praying, I pray that you love God. And that love on the inside of you is your motivation. How many want to be motivated by love? Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So just when you think you got God's love figured out, he goes a little bit deeper. He goes a little bit wider. Once you think your mind gets to the end of God's love, it goes beyond your knowledge and understanding. Isn't that awesome? And I believe we'll be learning and intrigued with the love of God, even in heaven and upon the new earth. I'm saying 10 billion years from now, you'll still be intrigued by the love of God. For God is love, the Bible says. To know this love, verse 19, and to be filled with the fullness of the measure of God, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. How many want their cup to be filled up with all of God? Everything that God wants to give you, do you want it? Amen. Come and get it. If you want it, come and get it. That is what Paul is saying. That's what I believe. Amen. And look at this last part of the prayer. He begins to praise God because how many know you can't pray without praising God? He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us, is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church says, amen. Do you believe God for that today? That out of his love, he will strengthen you to do all things, and he will do more than you could ever think or imagine. Today, we want to talk about your thought life because God cares about your thought life. He doesn't want your thoughts to be negative. Nats, N-A-T-S, negative automatic thoughts, running like a broken record through your mind. God doesn't want you to have those kinds of thoughts. He wants you to know that he loves you, he cares for you, and has a plan for your life. Let me give you a couple quick definitions. When we talk about our thought life, as Christians, we believe in dualism. Everybody say dualism. Dualism is a philosophical term that believes the mind and body are not the same thing. 
Atheists believe in what is called materialism. Everybody say materialism. Thank you. That is to believe that the brain and the body is where your consciousness comes from. So when your brain and body dies, you die. End of the story. You turn to dirt. You no more longer, no longer have consciousness. But dualism, everybody say dualism. Thank you, class. Dualism believes that you are of a spiritual substance and also of a physical substance. You have a soul and spirit as well as a body. That is dual, two things. And that means when your body dies, your soul and spirit live on. Jesus in the Bible, of course, teaches dualism. The Bible and God made a, uh, teaches us that we were made in God's image, and God is a spirit, but then God breathed that spirit he gave us into the dust he had made. So though the body returns to dust, the spirit in which God gave us from creation remains with us for eternity. Now, this is the thing everybody has to understand. You are a body, uh, you are a spirit with a soul living in a body, and when your body dies, you will live on eternally with that soul and spirit, either in hell or in heaven. So it is very important what you do with your life because you will live on after this life. Now to give you a little bit more of a definition here, this is what the soul is. Everybody say the soul. Somebody go, soul, brother. <laughs> Keep it in control, brother. Here we go. Soul, when we talk about your soul and your spirit, and I'm not talking today much about the spirit because the, the spirit is not where the mind is. But let me give you a quick definition of spirit. The spirit is the supernatural life of God. That is what enables your soul to have life. And when your body no longer has life pumping through its veins and oxygen, the spirit continues to give life to the soul. And that's why you are a spirit with a soul living in a body. But everybody say soul. The notes are online as always as well if you want to go further into this as I have the notes here. The human soul, as the Bible teaches, is the spiritual mind, will, and emotions of who you are. The Bible calls this your heart or your inner person. I like to call it the real you. Everybody say mind, will, and emotions. Now, if you're quick, you've understood that I have differentiated the mind from the brain. The brain is a physical organ that dies, but the mind lives on. The Bible says in heaven you have a conscious mind, you have memories, you talk and you interact, but you do not have a brain. Angels do not have a brain, but they have a mind. Are you listening to me? The Father does not have a brain, but he has a mind. Are you tracking with me? This is why we believe in the Trinity, three persons, yet one being. Each person in the Trinity has a mind, will, and emotions. This is what we call the soul of man. The Bible says that God made us a living soul in Genesis 2-7 when he breathed his spirit into us to come to life. In Matthew 10, 28, the Bible says the soul lives on and will either go to hell or go to heaven. But yet in John 5, 28, the soul for both the sinner and the saint is united with a body again for eternity. So track with me very quick. If you were to die right now, you would either go to heaven where God's throne is or to hell, a place of torment. Then judgment day will come at some appointed time where Jesus literally comes back to earth and judges the world. At that point, those in hell will come forth and receive a body and will be sentenced to the lake of fire forever in a body forever then those who have been in heaven will come back down with Jesus and receive a body to rule and reign with Jesus upon the new earth can I hear an amen 
If you've never heard that before, that is standard Christian doctrine. I am telling you the truth. You can research it later. So the point is the soul lives on temporarily without the body until judgment day. And then after judgment day, both sinner and saints receive bodies either for damnation or glorification. So which one you want, baby? Damnation or glorification? Now when we talk about the mind, the language of the mind is thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. The language of the mind is thought. These thoughts is what uh, these thoughts are how you communicate with yourself. How many have ever thought to yourself? Amen. And thoughts is how you communicate in a spiritual world. You can think to God. Did you know you can think to God? Did you also know that you could think to the devil or the devil could send thoughts to you? This is where people get caught up with the devil made me do it. Now, we'll get into that in just a moment, but thoughts belong to the realm of spirit. Since you are a spirit, you can communicate with yourself. Since God is a spirit, you can communicate with him. And since the devil is a spirit, you can communicate with him through thoughts. Now, when we talk about the soul having a body and the thoughts interacting with it, think of the thoughts being like a driver in a car. The driver is not the car, but he controls the car with his actions. Your thoughts are not your body, but with your thoughts you control your body. So though we are dualists and don't believe that our mind and body are the same thing, we believe that they're connected upon this earth and that it's the mind that controls the body. Now sometimes people can have a brain damage or illness of the brain and their body may do certain things and we believe that God has compassion on them because this is a physical illness no different than having cancer of the body. But just like a physical person with cancer is not subjected to that after their body dies, nor is a mentally ill person after their body can either be healed or die. We believe their soul is still special to God. Amen? So how many believe that mentally retarded people go to heaven when they die? Amen? Okay. Now, number four, when we talk about the spiritual mind, everybody say the spiritual mind. This is the place where the mind dwells and where you interact with thoughts, okay? Basically, in, in summary, since the mind resides in the soul, it is a spiritual substance. It's not something I can hold. I can't hold your mind or your thoughts. But God, the devil, are also spirits, and they can communicate with your mind. Therefore, the mind is like a radio receiver. Everybody say a radio receiver. Thank you. So it can either hear thoughts of the Holy Spirit, temptation from itself, or demons in the devil's cohorts. That way, the, the Bible says you, with your will, are in control of your mind. Now listen to me. It is up to you how you interact with your mind. You can listen to your own mind and deceive yourself, or you can listen to God and have the mind of Christ and listen to his wisdom, or you can be deceived by the devil. So if you don't have God in the picture, you're either deceiving yourself or being deceived by the devil, and chances are it's both. Are you tracking with me? Now, the mind of Christ, open quickly with me to 1 Corinthians 2.16. The mind of Christ is that mind that Jesus has. The Bible talks about it, and it says that all those who are Christians have this mind. So a mind produces thoughts. So if we are Christians, Christ-like, that's what the word Christian means, and we have the mind of Christ, then that means we're hearing the thoughts of God. So the mind of Christ should be our default thought 
self-producing entity or the where we get our thoughts from should be the mind of Christ. Though you can hear still thoughts of yourself, that's wonderful, and though not so wonderful you hear thoughts from the devil, you can choose to have the mind of Christ and stay in the mind of Christ. So think of it like this. God has given you his thoughts, and as long as you stay set on his thoughts, neither your deception and fearful thoughts nor the devil's deception will take your mind off of the peace of God and the joy of God. That's where I'm going is the application. If you're getting lost right now, just hang on. Come on, somebody say hang on. 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul again speaking says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? So like, did anybody ever teach Jesus anything? No, but we have the mind of Christ. We don't teach him, he instructs us. Everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. Now the opposite of that is if you're not born again, you literally have the mind of the devil or what they call the blindness of this age, meaning you don't have necessarily a demon possession, but you have chosen thoughts that are in line with his kingdom instead of God's kingdom. So the Bible says the God, lowercase g God, the ruler of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. So imagine being in a dark room, no lights, you can't see anything, and me putting booby traps everywhere. That's what it's like walking through life only having the mind of the devil. You fall into all of these things and to despair and to sin and you do not, do not even know what makes you stumble. Are you listening? You may curse the darkness but it changes nothing. The only thing that will allow you to see what is in that dark room is if the light comes on. Salvation is the light turning on in the mind. I once was blind but now I see and the Christian can have the mind to avoid those obstacles and live for Jesus. Are you with me? Now, this gets us to where we are today, which is the battle for the mind. So the battle for the mind is for you to stay in the mind of Christ, to hear the thoughts of God. Now, this actually believes that when you pray, God can speak to you. This actually already assumes that God wants a relationship with you. How many have ever heard God's voice speak to you? How did he do it? Through your mind, right? He did it through your mind thoughts. That's why you need to be able to discern the spirits that come in this world. When you hear thoughts in your head, are they from you, the devil, or are they from God? And I'll demonstrate that in just a moment. But the battle for your mind, everybody say the battle for my mind. The battle for my mind is to set my mind on the thoughts of Jesus. Now turn with me quickly to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. Look at your neighbor and say that was just the introduction. That was just the introduction. Now we're getting to the preaching part. Amen. I was telling it. Now I'm going to start yelling it. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. It's time to preach. As quickly as I can get through this respecting your time, I want you to look at what Paul said in another passage to another church, the church of Philippi, the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 and onward. This is the answer for the battle of your mind. Here it is, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, what? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Have you ever been anxious about something? About what people think about you, about the economy, about how you're going to pay your bills. Maybe you've been given a bad report from the doctor. The Bible says don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, how many want the peace of God? 
Hello, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your neighbors won't figure it out. You won't figure it out. All you'll be able to say is, God gave me peace through this situation. I'm, I'm witnessing it firsthand as my father and mother have come for my sister who was in a, a, a very serious accident, put into a coma, is now coming out, but she's still suffering a bit, has some uh, head trauma and all of these things. I'm watching my mom operate in the peace of God and not letting anxious thoughts and anxiety come and take away that peace. I'm not talking about having peace in the midst of a good day on payday. I'm talking about having peace in the midst of hardships and trials. Amen. And in verse 8, brothers and sisters, come on, somebody say brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, come on, you know Paul was a preacher. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. It is your choice. If you miss my whole introduction, let me just help you right now. Get rid of the stinking thinking and start thinking about Jesus and what he said is true. Don't let the lies of this world come into your mind and produce the anxiety and the fear that they bring. Let the mind of Christ saturate your understanding and let God's peace be with you. Hallelujah. And if you didn't know, on average, you have 50,000 thoughts a day, sometimes one to two every second. And if you just had half of those be worry and negative, that would be 25,000 assaults against your peace. But if you turn that around and place your mind on Jesus Christ, you can hear the word of God and his promises 50,000 times in your life. That will put a pep in your step every day. Amen. That will turn your frown upside down. You are who you are because you think the way you think. Change your thinking, amen, and watch your life follow. In verse 9, Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Here are some simple steps right now that Paul gave us to a healthy thought life. How many want a healthy thought life? How many want to think like Jesus thinks? In the situation you're facing today, Jesus has thoughts to give you. He has a plan to give you. You have to hear his thoughts. Here's how to do it. Number one, rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what situation you're in, rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice because of the situation. My mom and dad are not rejoicing because my sister's in the hospital. They're rejoicing because God is there in the hospital. They're rejoicing because God is greater than the sickness and greater than the illness. They have found a reason to rejoice. God is worth your praise. And when you do that, it will change your life. I don't have time to get into it, but literally rejoicing, being tied to singing, or at least being excited about something will lower the stress in your life physically. That's why we all like music. So when you start by singing in your car or on your way to work, you are releasing stress. It is a physical benefit to you to rejoice in God. Number two, be gentle. 
in your actions, you have to sow what you want to reap. So if you're always sowing conflict and sowing bitterness and sowing unforgiveness and slander and always acting in a harsh way, that will be a part of your life. But if you'll trust God and act gentle, your mind will have a much easier chance of being at peace. So don't let your body contradict what your mind is thinking. Let your mind influence your body. Because you know, like for example, men, if I would just boop, pop you in the nose right now, how many know your body would start giving you some testosterone to punch me back? See, that's where, be gentle. Take control of your hormones, ladies. Come on. Take control of your testosterone, men, and get your life in order. Some people don't know what I'm talking about. By the way, at this church, we always use as an example women going through that monthly cycle as a chance to everybody to realize the spirit is wheeling, but the flesh is weak, okay? So anyways, just had to help my visitors understand that, which I know probably still makes it even more gross. But anyways, I'm a married man with three women in my house, four women, including my wife, right? And they're all getting to, uh, well, we're not even going to go there. Number three, don't be, I love my wife and kids, amen. Number three, see, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about what Jesus is thinking right now. And Jesus was thinking, stop talking. That's what Jesus was thinking right there. He was like, you're done. Move on. Go back to preaching, son. That's what I heard in my spirit. Uh, Vinny, can I get you to the keys, please? Don't be anxious. It's a choice. It is a choice. Always rejoice. Be gentle. Don't be anxious. Pray with thanksgiving. Do you know that you always have something to be thankful for? Do you know that you can stop whatever situation you're in right now that's causing you worry and you can begin to start rejoicing and those worries and those fears will diminish because the power of God will come into your life. Just try it one time. Even if you don't believe me or the word of God, just try it. And let me just give you an example. I just began to write down some things. I rejoice in the Lord because he's revealed his love to me. I rejoice because I've been born again. I rejoice because my soul has been transformed. I rejoice because he has spoken to me through his word. I rejoice because he's baptized me with the Holy Spirit. I rejoice because I'm in a physical and mental health today. I rejoice because the enemy's been defeated in my life. I rejoice because I've been blessed with a blessing and a blessed family. I rejoice because I have four children. I rejoice because my parents raised me in the ways of God. I rejoice because I serve in the church. I rejoice because I'm a disciple making disciples. I rejoice because I'm free from all sin, worry, fear, condemnation, guilt, and anxiety. I rejoice because I sleep well when I put my mind on him. I rejoice because I've been given gifts and talents. I'm thankful for all that God has done for me. You rejoice. You then be gentle. You set your mind on Christ. Reject anxiety. It may not come easy at first, but you'll realize it over time and practice. You can reject it. You start being thankful. Then verse uh, part 5 and verse 7, you let the peace of God guard your heart and emotions. See, you're not denying the problem. You're just saying you know what problem solver. Okay, come on, let's just all put it to practice right now before we go. Think of your biggest problem right now. Maybe it may be with finances. It may be within a relationship. More than likely, you already got a decision of what you got to do. Let's say finances. You got to get a job. A relationship. Maybe you got to get counseling with your children. You got to keep telling them you love them, bringing them to church. Okay, you already know the solution. What does worrying about it now do for you? Let the peace of God come into your life and let it keep you from that worry. 
Let it keep you from the worry. You know what you have to do. And if you don't, pray. Say, God, what do I have to do? But it's when we allow those negative automatic thoughts to keep repeating. I don't have a job. The economy's bad. Nobody's ever going to hire me. See, that produces nothing. Put your mind on Christ. Let the peace of God guard your heart. Number six, think about only what is excellent and praiseworthy. And number seven, put into practice the faith of your leaders. You're not the only one to have gone through a problem. We're learning from Paul. You can learn of me as I do it as well. I may not have always done it perfectly, but I'm striving for the perfect mind of Christ. I'm receiving it and standing in it. Amen? Here's the three things in closing. Everybody say closing. Would you run up, um, Ellie, please, the ball that I have in the back, and can my two volunteers uh, come up today? Now, just because I need this to be an illustration, one's got to be the devil and one's got to be Jesus, okay? I'm sorry, but today you got to be the devil, just, just for acting purposes, just for acting purposes. Thank you. Now, I want to give you these three things when it comes to God's heart for you. Don't believe everything that enters your mind. Number two, God will keep your mind in perfect peace if you keep your mind on him. And number three, love God with all your mind. Can we leave out of here with that? But I'm going to give you a simple illustration. I call it the bouncing thought. We all got thoughts in our lives that kind of just bounce around, don't they? Sometimes you get them from yourself. The devil doesn't even have to help you. You just get that thought bouncing around. And you, just, you help it, too. You just bounce it with it. You know, I got to go to work Monday. You know, I don't like my job. I don't feel good about it. I don't get enough money there anyway, man. You know what? I don't even know if I should show up. Maybe I should call in sick. You know, you just start bouncing that thought around. You know what you need to do when that, that bouncing thought comes on there? You say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, bounce me back a thought. Oh, God, I got purpose here on this job. I'm going to bounce around that thought. Jesus, I can make it through this job with you. Oh, I'm thankful I'm going to work this morning because there's some people that don't even got a job. Jesus, I need another thought. Bounce me another thought today. Oh, you're going to turn this around, God. You're going to use me to be a witness there. I'm providing for my family. I'm going to bounce on that thought. See, I'm going to give my thoughts to Jesus, my worries to Jesus, in exchange for his thoughts about me. Now, every now and then that devil comes, okay? And he'll throw you a thought. And he may say, you know what? You're, you're hooked on pornography. You'll never get off pornography. You know you like looking at that. And you'll start bouncing it around. Then you act on it. And then you'll feel condemned. But you know what you need to do with that devil's thought? You need to say, Jesus, I need some help today. What you say about me, Jesus? Oh, you say, Jesus, I'm pure? You said I'm holy? You said I've been born again? You told me that this old devil can't mess with me? I'm going to throw him the word of God. Take that devil. I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> Woo! Come on. I'm going to use the word of God against the devil. Amen. But you know the devil don't quit. You know the devil may be coming against your marriage, you know. Oh, she don't love you like she used to. You know, you need to look at your secretary now. Or he doesn't love you like he used to. You know, you need to talk to that water guy who drops off the Culligan water or whatever, you know, does your lawn care. But you know what? You need to say, Jesus, I need your mind in the matter. What did you say about the marriage, Jesus? Oh, what you bring together, nobody can tear apart. You said, I got to love her as Christ loved the church. You told me, God, that I can make it. Take that devil. I'm going to make it so is my marriage. Woo! How many believe that there is victory in the Word of God today?
Amen. Give it up for my helpers. Would you stand to your feet, please? Oh, praise God. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Oh, God is good. I love what Isaiah said. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? I love what Isaiah said that put it all together for me. And as I demonstrated that, is that Isaiah said, talking about God, he said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you trust in God today? I mean, that's really where the battle of the mind is going to get won or lost, is whether or not you trust him. If you don't trust God, if you don't believe in him, then you won't go to his word and let it change your mind. You'll stay in stinking thinking, and you'll be depressed, you'll feel lonely, and then the devil will love that. He'll just keep throwing thoughts your way. But if everybody here, God doesn't have any favorites, if everybody here would do this today, starting with me, because i got a battle in my mind too, y'all, starting with me, if we would just put our mind on Jesus and say, I trust you. I trust what you said about the situation. Even though I don't see the solution yet, I trust you. He'll guard our hearts and our minds. So let us pray today that we will have and keep the mind of Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for everybody here. I pray that no one leaves out without your mind and without your peace. Lord, I ask that we would be honest with our thought life today and how we've been doing. In these next few moments, would you now just evaluate your thought life? Ask the Lord to search your heart, to show you how you've been. Have you been trusting him? Have you been giving him your thoughts in exchange for the word that he said or the promises he's given? If not, would you let him de-weed the mind right now that you've been on? Let him transform it. If you're not born again, you need to be. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. But if you are born again and you say, yeah, you know, I, I know Jesus loves me, but I struggle with my thoughts. Would you ask him to cleanse your mind? That's what the Bible talks about when the Bible says cleanse your heart. It's really talking about your mind, your emotions, your will. You can ask God to do that. Just right now as the band plays, let's be honest with our thought life. you're getting an idea because I believe God's speaking to you through your thoughts right now I believe in this now start to practice what we just preached about start casting those thoughts on Jesus right now come on start giving them to him give every worried thought to Jesus right now every perverted thought every angry thought every unforgiving thought give it to him you know what we call that confession Re Repentance. Lord, forgive me for being angry, for being unforgiving, for being greedy. You know, whatever those thoughts have been. Come on, confess them. No one's paying attention. This is between you and God right now. Right now, just, and you can do it in your heart. You can. But it would help if you use your mouth too because that's the act of praying. 
And the act of praying is a biblical thing. So just pray, confess. Jesus, we surrender all of these thoughts, all of these worries, these things that are not of you. I ask you to forgive us, to change us, transform us. And now, would everybody here, just as a sign of surrender, the Bible says lifting up holy hands as a sign of surrender, would you just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, flood my mind with your thoughts. Come on, let the mind of Christ come to you right now. Let God speak to you through your thoughts. Jesus, give us your mind. And maybe while you're praying that, you want to meditate on something you need wisdom in. Maybe you need wisdom for your job. Just say, Lord, give me your thoughts about my job. What should I do here? How should I act? You know, what's my place here? How long should I stay here? If it's for your family, say, Lord, I need wisdom in my family. Ask God to flood your heart to be a husband or a wife that he calls you to be, or a son or daughter. Come on, if you've been struggling with sin, say, Lord, give me your thoughts on living pure, living holy, living free from bitterness. We want your mind, oh God. We want to think on the things that please you. May the mind of Christ be our mind today. Flood our hearts with your word, with your promises. And even as you're praying right now, remember, it's the word of God, how Jesus speaks. So go back home and study. Get more uh, uh, ability for the Lord to speak through that word. Give him more opportunities. A few more moments right now. Tie it all together. Come on. Make this message life transforming. Let the Lord transform you in the way you think today. In the name of Jesus, do it in me, God. Do it in me, Lord. I have your mind. May I stay fixed on you. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? Woo, I believe that. I believe that. I believe minds were changed today. I believe that. I mean, I thank you for the hand claps, but I believe it without a hand clap. Are you?